0: following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6. It is Father's Day, amen. Father take some time if there's a view and uh and thinking about you, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Ephesians 6 and 1. <clears throat> My father passed away about seven years ago, so I can't call him. And uh, <clears throat> if you have a father in town and in these services, when you're done, give him a hundred bucks. <laughs> so, he can, so he can go out and buy new drawers, Amen. <laughs> I've never been so humiliated, humiliated all my life. Though, Ephesians six, you know, you know what my son Joel has learned to do: ignore Dad. Amen. <laughs> uh, as most children do, given time. Ephesians six. Let's look at verse one. Bible says, "Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father." Now you got that, Joel? One hundred dollars in cash. What? <laughs> uh, uh. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition. The Lord, my t- main text is this, these, uh, verse 4, and ye fathers, and ye fathers, let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I pray as we consider the subject this morning. And Father, Lord, there are fathers present here. Most of us have already had children, they're grown, what have you. And yet there are things that we can even learn as we consider this instruction to fathers. I pray, God, that you'd help us, Lord, as we consider the word of God, whether fathers, mothers, individuals, what have you. Father, may we open our hearts to thy word. And I pray your will be done in each one of us. I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. And ye fathers, now, you know, today is Father's Day, and was Paul writing about Father's Day? No. Matter of fact, there wasn't any such thing as Father's Day at the time. And yet he is writing to the church at Ephesus. He is teaching not only the church at large, but Christians as individuals concerning important truths for life. He begins by talking to children, as we always should begin with the children. Amen. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And then he says, and ye fathers. And as we consider Father's Day and fathers and fatherhood, I want us to look at a few things in relationship to this, these words, and Ye fathers there, maybe there's some in this room that hope to eventually become fathers, parents, what have you. Uh, some that are members of this church who are not here, amen. You know what, they knew I was going to be preaching to, to, to mom and dad, whatever, a future mom, and they didn't show up. No. no, most of our folks are either out of town, sick, sick of me, or something like that. Anyway, but we're talking about, uh, if you will, fatherhood and ye fathers. The first thing I want us to consider... As he says in his word, in Ephesians chapter 6, And ye fathers, first of all, ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath. Now the phrase, provoke not your children to wrath, is that by unreasonable commands, by needless severity, by the manifestation of anger, so govern them, so punish them, if punishment be necessary, that they shall not lose their confidence in you, but shall love you. You know, folks, we have to be careful as parents, not to be too severe and not to be unreasonable in our commands and our expectations of children, lest they become angry themselves. You know, sometimes people wonder why children get angry at their parents. Sometimes, sometimes it's because parents, sometimes because dads are angry at them. And it's sad that it's the case, and yet that's what Paul is dealing with in this particular verse. He says, provoke not your children to wrath. Look at me to 1 Samuel 20. 1 Samuel chapter 20 this morning. 1 Samuel 20. And though I am preaching to fathers, there are things that all of us can learn. Amen. Did you get that, Laura? Anyone can learn? Amen. Some people I have to give a little extra. 1 Samuel 20. I'm getting even for them drawers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 1 Samuel 20 and verse 30. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. Now, Saul is king of Israel, first king of Israel. Jonathan is his firstborn son. And he's angry with him. And said unto him, Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion and unto the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? Now, does that sound pleasant? No. He's mad at Jonathan because it seems that Jonathan... Is pitted himself against uh, uh, against his own dad and taking the if you will the part of David. What John, what Saul has done is put his son Jonathan in the middle. He's angry. Uh, Saul is angry at David. And he's taking out his anger upon his son, uh, Jonathan. He's put him in the middle. And sometimes, folks, we have to be careful as parents that we don't put someone like our children in the middle of some anger and upset that you may have with someone else. Sometimes a man, uh, a husband, a father could be angry with his wife and uh, puts a child in between them, even as uh, Saul has done uh, with his son, Jonathan. And as the Bible says in verse 31, for as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established nor thy kingdom. Wherefore now send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. And then he goes on to try to kill his own son, Jonathan. Now does that sound like the kind of an atmosphere where his son is going to appreciate and love him for his, his uh, treatment of him? No, he is angry. And if you will, he's provoking his own son to anger against him. Look me to Psalm 7. This morning, Psalm seven and verse 11, Psalm seven and verse eleven. <clears throat> Psalm seven and verse 11. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, "God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. Now when God is angry, he is also always right and just in his anger. But it's not so among human beings. Oftentimes when we're angry and when we're upset and we're, we have wrath, breathing wrath, if you will, toward other people, it's not a right thing. Often we're wrong, we're upset, we've let, uh, let our temper get the best of us. God is never that way. And let's remember this, God is a God of love and yet God is angry with the wicked. God is angry at sin. Now, God wants to save sinners by His grace, but He's angry at sin. He is, if you will, angry with the wicked every day, and justifiably so. Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Psalm 103 this morning. And if you will look look at verse 8. Psalm 103 in verse 8. Here the Bible says, The Lord is merciful, and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. Thanks be to God that He is just that, because though He was angry with us before we were saved because of sin, God still uh, extended His love to us in His Son, the Savior. Look with me to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 7 and 9. Ecclesiastes, it follows the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes 7. And uh, verse 9. I'm sorry, Rebecca, that you couldn't be with the cool people. Amen. Ecclesiastes 7 and 9. Here the Bible says, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. When a a dad is provoking his children to anger, uh, because of his own anger, he is playing the fool. Will Rogers said this, <clears throat> People who fly into a rage always make a bad landing. People who fly into a rage always make a bad landing. There, you know, folks, there's nothing good often that comes from us being angry with anybody. Amen? If you will, <clears throat> Proverbs 27 and 4. Proverbs 27 and verse 4. Here the Bible says, wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous. It's amazing the things that are done in anger, the outrageous things. But who is able to stand before envy? Anger is never a, a pleasant or a profitable thing in the life of any of God's people. Proverbs 15 and 18. Proverbs 15 and verse 18. You say, Well, I'm not a dad. I don't have to listen to this, right? Wrong. We're talking about something that every one of us, if we're not careful, could have a problem with, and that being our anger. In Proverbs 15 and verse 18, the Bible says, A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Sometimes when people are angry by nature and it's a part of their their personality, uh, they are often the source of great strife and difficulty, sometimes in a home, sometimes between a dad and his son or other children. Proverbs 16 and 32. Proverbs 16... And 32, the Bible says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. He's talking about, if you will, the strength that a person has when he has not uh, lost his temper. You know, for some of us, you know, I I grew up with a, a dad who was angry a lot, was angry at me, and unfortunately... You know, some, some, sometimes when it comes to temper and anger, that can be learned behavior. It can be learned behavior. Sometimes it could be a part of your own personal character. It could be that you just personally have a problem with anger. I know myself, I live with anger, and yet I have a problem at times with anger myself. And only for by the grace of God can we find victory over our anger and over our temper, amen? Uh, I recommend the grace. I recommend the grace of God in Christ Jesus for this ill and for this problem, if you will. Proverbs 19 and 11, Proverbs 19 and verse 11. <clears throat> the Bible says the discretion, and the word discretion means good judgment. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger and it is his glory to pass over transgression. You know, someone who uses good judgment, realizes that, you know, anger's not going to get him anywhere. And, you know, sometimes we have to learn that it won't get us anywhere. There's no positive good that comes from you being angry with someone, especially in a home situation. You know, between husbands and wives, anger is a destructive thing. Because sometimes we will say things that we really don't necessarily mean. I've heard people say things in anger that they really didn't mean. But folks, when the words fly out of your mouth in anger, they hurt. They sting. Sometimes they cause destruction. Again, uh, the discretion of a man to further his anger is the glory to pass over a transgression. You know, folks, and who hasn't transgressed? Sometimes when you're angry with someone, sometimes when you're angry with someone, you have forgotten that, you know, you're focused on a problem you think they have. And maybe you've forgotten the problems you have. Amen. You know, I love my wife. We have avoided many a tussle because she just won't argue with me. I mean, that's just no fun. No, it's a reality. Did you always live in harmony? No, because in spite of the way she was, I would keep after her. Sometimes people will needle someone because they want to fight. I read a comment by Phyllis Diller. (coughs) She said, "Uh, when you're angry, when you're angry, mostly, you know what follows that? A walk away or go to bed. When you're angry, she says, Fight with them. And I read that I thought, you're kidding. (laughs) Now, she was a comedian, Phyllis Dillis. She had hair like, no. She had strange, wild hair. That was her trademark. But I mean, you know, folks, some people love to argue. Some people like to be angry. But anger is not a positive type of thing. Look at Psalm 37. Psalm 37 and verse 8. Psalm 37 and 8. The Lord has something to say about it. Psalm 37 and verse 8. <clears throat> Here the Lord says plainly something that we need to, by the grace of God, do at times. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Cease from anger. You know, you know what's hard about anger? Once you've lost your temper, it's hard to get a hold of it. Once you've lost your temper, it's hard to get a hold of it. It's difficult. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. And I'm going to tell you this. There's not a human being alive that doesn't have a temper. Some have uh, a mild temper. Some have a terrible temper. But all of us have a temper. Amen. Amen even if we don't want to admit it. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27. And remember, folks, the word of God is written by, is written by the one that created us. God knows man like no one else does. And so when God speaks to these matters, we need to listen. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 6, verses 26 and 27, the Bible says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. You know what, folks? Uh, To have a temper that's always out of control is satanic. It's not Christian. And if you will, God says, Be angry and sin not. More often than not, more often than not, when we lose our temper, it is plain sin. Pure and simple. We don't want to gloss over or somehow put a sweet covering on something that God calls sin. It says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither good place to the devil. Look at James 1. James 1. <clears throat> and let's look at verse 19. James 1 And verse 19, here James writing says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. On the one hand, God says, you know what? Anger and wrath are often one and the same. And it means if you're angry, you're not doing right. It worketh not the righteousness of God. But verse 19 says this, says something important that I think can help us. He says, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. You know, sometimes, and it's been my experience, even personally, is sometimes we fly off the handle because we didn't listen. Because, you know, we get mad, we think, now listen, we get mad at somebody because of what we think they said because we didn't listen to what they said. You know, communication isn't just you talking or me talking. Sometimes it's listening when somebody else is talking. And sometimes the anger comes in in our hearts because we just refuse to listen. Sometimes people have determined already that there's a problem and that the person they're dealing with is just plain wrong. But they haven't searched it out. They haven't listened. They haven't really found out. It's important that we're careful. You fathers provoke not your children to rest. Secondly, if you will, look at Ephes- excuse me, Ephesians 6. And verse 4, Ephesians 6 and 4. Now it's already really quiet. So I know that even if you're not a dad, you're in trouble. Amen. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. And secondly, you fathers, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The word nurture is... that uh, they are to train up their children in such a manner as the Lord approves. That is, they are to educate them for the faith in the Lord and virtue for the Lord. You know, folks, uh, I believe in homeschool education. Uh, I recommend it. Not everyone can do it. Uh, And there is an alternative, Christian schools and what have you, but education and training especially falls into the lap of even fathers now oftentimes dad is busy he's working a full-time job and what have you sometimes remember this sometimes we can teach as much by our example as we can with our mouth it's important we teach by example and also teach by our mouth take the time to teach our children what is right how to know the Lord and so forth the word admonition is putting them in mind warning them instructing them the sense is here that they put they were put in the mind of the lord of his, of his existence perfection law claims on their hearts and lives and dad needs to if you will teach his children if you will bring them up in the nurture and admonition first and foremost they need to know the lord let me ask you this question this morning do you know christ as your word and savior have you been born again by the Spirit of God? Are you a child of God? You cannot communi- uh, communicate a faith to someone that you don't really have. Not by example. You might by word, but not by example. God would have us to <clears throat> teach not just by word, but by example. The story is told of a father who took his little boy on his lap and described what a Christian was. When he he was through, the little boy boy asked the question that pierced the father's heart, Daddy, have I ever seen one? Took him on his lap, taught him what a Christian was, and then his boy said, Daddy, have I ever seen one? Wow. Daddy, have I ever seen one? Proverbs 22 and 6. Proverbs 22 and 6. in order to be an example as a father or as a christian understand this that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect because you're not perfection in the bible for a christian is christian maturity and growth not perfection without sin bible says there's not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not the best of the best of christians our sinners saved by grace. But sometimes, folks, we still sin. In Proverbs 22 and 6, Proverbs 22 and 6, the Bible says, the admonition to fathers is to train up the children in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. <clears throat> a father who teaches his children responsibility provides them with a fortune. You know, sometimes, folks, <clears throat> we're, we're eager for our children to grow up and and go out and get a good job and make money but if they grow up and they go out and they get a good job and they're ungodly immoral unjust unlawful what's going to come of that what's going to come of that Genesis 18 Genesis 18 and let me say this <clears throat> most of the fathers in this room are beyond training our children. For most of it, it was done. And let me remind you of this. God is giving instruction and training to us as parents, to particularly as fathers, as to what we're to do. Knowing that there's no... You know what, folks? There's no such thing as a perfect father or mother... Only God is a perfect father. But He gives us instruction and training so that we can hopefully use it for the good of our children in raising them. Now you say, well, I'm past the point of training my children and raising them, and I think in most cases a lot of parents have tried to do their best. Some in this room didn't get saved until later in life. And you probably did the best you knew how. I know my dad, I grew up in an unsaved home. And my dad, uh, I was angry with my dad a lot. Because he just didn't seem to care. And, and he just, he, he was a drunk, he just didn't seem to care. He didn't know how to love anybody. But what I realized, the older I got was I found out that his dad died when he was two years old in a drunken car accident. He had two other foster dads that he grew up with that were drunks and drug addicts. And my dad didn't have a clue of what it was to really have a relationship with anybody, including us boys. I have one brother. And I was so angry at times with him, but you know something? When I got saved by the grace of God, it dawned on me, and I learned more about him, it dawned on me that in one sense my father was a product of the home and the life in which he'd lived before. And I got saved by the grace of God and I realized, you know what? My dad did what dads do who grew up the way he did. He was behaving the way he had lived. Although... He did better in some senses than any of his fathers, if you will. We always had plenty to eat, clothes to wear, and a home, shelter overhead. And you know what, though? I could see him sometimes every day, occasionally. My dad didn't have that. He grew up in North Georgia, poor as as a mouse. They They lived with a garden that they grew themselves. They didn't even get meat very regularly. I could sit around and be upset and bitter with him, and, and other, otherwise I could realize, you know what? Otherwise I could, I could realize, you know something? He did what he could with what he had. And I'll never forget the day when he came home drunk one night, and I'm sitting in the living room with him, and I never thought he was even thinking about it. But he looked at me at one point, and he said, you know what? With tears in his eyes, he said, you know what, Dan? He said, I have failed you as a dad. And I didn't even thought, think he cared that much. Now, yet, what did you say to him? I was speechless. And I was still angry. And you know what? I couldn't say anything encouraging. You know, some, it's been said that sometimes people speak because of alcohol and drugs. Sometimes they'll say things in that way that they won't say any other time. Genesis 18 and verse 17. Genesis 18 and verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of. Was Abraham a perfect dad? No. Well, how do you know? Read what the Bible says about the way he behaved. And you know what we find is that his son Isaac behaved the same way he did in some ways. And neither one of them were perfect, but Abraham tried. Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And let me say this, dads, who are here and who have adult children, if if the Lord has showed you, has showed you or will show you, that maybe you haven't been the best of dads and maybe you failed in some ways, let me say this, It's never too late to say, I'm sorry. To say, I'm sorry. Because if you're earnest in the fact that you were wrong and you know it, it's never too late to say, I'm sorry. Deuteronomy 6, though, in verse 1, Deuteronomy 6 and 1. Now these are the statutes, commandments, The statutes, uh, the commandments, the statutes uh, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to do, commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all His statutes and His commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy sons and thy sons' sons, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, that thou that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. You know, folks, the word of God was given to Israel, it's given to the world, it's given to fathers for us to communicate to our children by example, by word, by our mouth because it's, it's, th- it's things they need to know for life. And as you're going through life, God would have uh, fathers teach the importance and the practicality of the truth of God's word so as to help them to know what to do in life, their own life. Joshua 24, Joshua 24 let's look at verse 14 Joshua 24 and 14 Joshua 24 and 14 the Bible says now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, Joshua had chosen for himself and for his family that he would serve the Lord. Now, his children, when they became old enough on their own, had to choose for themselves. A parent cannot choose for their children whether they will choose Christ and follow the Lord. We should, by the grace of God, try to do our best to train them, to teach them, to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But understand this, no one chooses for anyone else whether to receive Christ or accept Him. And sometimes, folks, we take upon ourselves a responsibility that belongs to them personally. You know, as a parent, we're tr- we should try to train our children, raise them up, help them to grow up to be independent, functioning, normal. What is normal these days? Well, I don't want to go there. Normal, functioning human beings. <clears throat> and then we have to step back and let go. We have to step back and let go. And let them choose for themselves. And that's hard to do. But we have to let go. Let them choose. To choose Christ or reject Him. To choose to follow the Lord or not. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Beginning in verse 1, Solomon, the wisest man in the world, God used to give us the book of Proverbs, and he says in verse 1, hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law, for I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. Now this is Solomon writing, and he's writing about David, his dad. Was David a perfect man? The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. But we also know that David committed uh, uh, adultery with Bathsheba. He did some things that were ungodly and wrong. Yet God forgave him. And yet Solomon is speaking of his dad. He says, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, speaking of wisdom, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all thy getting, get understanding. David tried to teach his son Solomon how to grow up and how to do right. And he did pretty good. God gave him wisdom above all men, On the earth when he became king, and yet Solomon had a problem. He loved many or too many women. He loved many or too many women. The downfall of Solomon was he rejected the plain teaching of God and his dad over the issue of women. Look, with Mark Twain said this When I was a boy of 14, My father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. Mark Twain said that. You know, when you're young and as a teenager, dad and mom are stupid, ignorant, and shouldn't be listened to. We think that. Hopefully, when we grow up, we'll realize they've grown up. And they've been a grown up for some time. Isaiah 38. Isaiah 38. And look at verse 19. The Bible says the living the living Isaiah 38:18 the living the living he shall praise thee as i do this day the father to the children shall make known thy truth you know sometimes we dads neglect our responsibility to teach and train our children 2 Timothy 1 2 Timothy 1 <clears throat> And let's look at verse 3. Here the Bible says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers day and night, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and and I'm persuaded that in thee also. Now, Timothy, his dad was a Greek, a man who did not know Christ, and yet, and did not care to bring his, his, uh, if you will, his son up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So it fell to, now listen, it fell to the ones that sometimes it even falls to in our day to day, to Grandma and Mom. Because Dad isn't, either isn't there or doesn't care. And it's sad when that happens, but thanks be to God for Grandma and Mom. Amen. As my granddaughter would say of my wife, Grammy! She calls her Grammy. Amen. That doesn't mean she sings, although she does. Second Timothy 3 and look at verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But watch verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, he's reminding Timothy of his growing up years. Thank God for grandma and mom who took up the slack when there wasn't a dad to do it. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. And let's look at verse 5, Hebrews 12 and 5. <clears throat> and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Now that sound Doesn't it sound possible? Scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. That sounds pleasant. He loves, though. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what it son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them re- uh, reverence, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much uh, rather be in subjection to the father of spirits and, and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, <clears throat> God corrects his children, Christians, in love. And sometimes it can, and when we talk about correction, when we talk about chastening. Chastening is first and foremost instruction. It's instruction. When a parent has to correct, even to spank their children, they're trying to train them that the behavior that they're exhibiting is unacceptable and sometimes plain wrong. Sometimes we parents chase our children after our own pleasure. Have you ever heard this? Uh, We'll we'll use Susie. If your name is Susie, try to blot this out. Susie, shut up or I'm going to spank you. And you hear that screaming and hollering till finally in anger they jump up, they grab the belt or whatever, and they go to correcting. God never does that. God never does that. But sometimes, sometimes we human parents and fathers do it that way. And you know, <clears throat> it's, not what, it's not what God would have us do It's for our own profit. Please shut up. Don't stop doing this, whatever. God never does that. Now, there are times when though we've done it the wrong way, we can and should go to our children, even when they're little. I remember at times having to admit to my children I was wrong and apologize for my behavior. Maybe didn't do it enough, I don't know. I wasn't a perfect parent but it was important that I tried to do what I could and let's look if you will to Luke 18 Luke 18 verse 1 and he spake a parable unto unto this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint now you know what it's so important we teach our children what's right. We teach them the scripture. We try to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, help them to come to know Christ. But something that we can never and should never neglect is prayer. I remember, I remember growing up in the church years ago, and there was such a focus on being sure that you did everything right and almost, almost perfectly. <laughs> or there was no hope for your children. And that leaves the whole thing in your hands. And that's, not, that's just not right. Folks, God wants to help us. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You know what, folks, if we spend doing anything doing anything that's important, we ought to teach our children all these things, do these things, but you know what? Always, always pray for God's help, God's guidance, and pray for our children. Because you know what? You and I can never do it completely perfectly. We need the Lord's help. In the midst of all of it, we need the Lord's help. We have responsibility, but he has responsibility. We cannot do what the Lord can do, but he will do what he will do, sometimes simply because we ask. Amen? Ask and you shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You say, well, my kids are grown, and I didn't do a good job. Always pray and never faint. What we can do now, even as our children have grown up, is continue to seek the face of God for children who at times have gone wayward. And I have one such And I love him dearly. But I can't reach him. I can't reach him. But God can. God can. And all I can do is pray. But that's the best thing that can be done. You know, sometimes when my kids were growing up, I didn't pray enough. I didn't pray enough. And you know, <clears throat> we're not perfect. And we don't raise perfect children. Especially when they give their parents, their dad, pink drawers with gats on them. That is so evil. So I have to pray harder that I get the right color with the right pattern. On my next set of drawers, amen. Folks, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.